to Show Talk Podcast, please where I talk, you talk, and we talk about shows. We are back with another episode of Motherland Fort Salem, Season 2, Episode 6. I have so much to talk about with this episode because I was a clown. I was clearly a clown. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, it's break, spring break. The girls are going to have to get a break from everything. The drama, you know, get to be with their families. Abigail over here, she's now released herself from the trauma. She has a deal by her side. They're going to have a moment, you know, be free from the struggles of having to be a bellwether and being part of the unit and being a member of the army. Lies. Lies and deception. I should have known better. I really should have known better. And and this is what we have to look forward to. Anacostia and Scylla breaking up? Unacceptable. Unacceptable. They were our star-crossed, undercover, super spies. And now, now they're in a custody battle for Tiffany and Alders over here getting her throat burned out by a... Ugh, it just, it's a lot a lot and we have to add Rael on top of this and what's going on with Abigail and (sighs) we have a lot to talk about clearly and all I want to do is get into it with you so let's get into it let's get into Motherland Fort Salem season two episode six I know I say every episode how this is my favorite episode going forward and and I love how it's played out and I can't wait for next episode's going to be and the rest of the season's going to be and yet with this episode that's not the case but I love it. I love it as much as I would any other episode but not for the same reasons that I have. For past episodes I've really loved it for certain scenes that's really just pushed the episode of the season over the edge for me like with last episode we had the introduction of ghosts and we had that moment where they got to speak to them and the truth that came out of it just the pure power of that episode really struck out to me but with this episode it felt so so tamed in a way and I know that like the last 10 minutes everyone was at their edge of their seats and and we learned so much both with Nikta and with what the Camarilla were doing and everything like that we learned so much with this episode which was great but it wasn't as exciting to me as last episodes and I, I wonder if you guys felt the same way but one thing that I really loved about this episode that I feel like the other episodes haven't given me was it gave us like a big picture of everything. I know for past episodes, I've been talking about how Tally, Abigail, and Rael have all been on their separate paths and their own little journeys and have grown this entire season from those journeys. But how much I've wished for episodes that they would finally come back together and be able to lean on each other and use what they've learned and how they've grown to fight our next enemy and just be the unit that we've wanted from them for so long. But in this episode, we've really just seen how closely connected everyone is in this story, not just the unit. And it feels like they're all coming together so steadily right now that it just the picture of it is really just blowing my mind away I'm like in awe I'm in awe of everything because look at Nikta right now we finally come to realize that she is alive she is alive and she is well and she is part of the spree which 
I didn't see coming. I knew she was evil. I knew that for a fact. Okay, evil's a strong word. She's not evil. But we knew that she wasn't going to be the biggest fan of the military and maybe of witches in general. So to find out that she was Spree and not Camarilla to me was shocking, but like not as surprising as I thought it was going to be. But we know that she's alive. We know that she's alive and she specifically has a vendetta against Alder. And now that we know that Nicta is alive, Tally's motivations for this season is now coming into light and it's bringing her that way. And we know that that's going to also bring Alder that way. And with her being connected to the spree that connects Scylla as well as Willa and brings them that way. And if Willa's connected, we know that Rael's coming that way. And now that we're also focusing on the Camarilla and that attack that happened on Alder and what's happening to Rael now that she is kidnapped going forward for the rest of the season we know that that's going to bring abigail that way because abigail is looking for that vengeance against the camaria for what happened to charvel and we know that abigail is not going to let anything happen to rayelle because she can't lose another person that she loves so now we have abigail coming that way and with abigail comes adil and with adil may now come kalita so all of our characters that we've watched for the last five, six episodes go on their own separate paths and journeys we are now seeing come together with the sole focus of fighting the Camarilla and also fighting the Spree or these factions of the Spree that we've been seeing come out of everything and it connects so well to season one as well because Season one was just complete focus on the spree and now that we're learning more of the truth and how the spree started and how these divisions came about, it's like it's coming full circle. Everything is finally coming full circle from this season and last season and it's just doing it so effortlessly and so nicely that I'm just in awe of the writing and how it's going to go and what it means going forward. I... I'm excited. <laughs> I'm just so excited to see what Elliot and everyone else has planned for us because right now it just looks so beautiful and so well done that I am speechless, honestly. And I loved it. I hope you guys did as well. And I'll probably like right now go into more in depth about certain scenes and parts that I love the most and what I thought of and, and that but I really just wanted to like take a moment and just express how happy I was with the way this show is going and like express how much I love this show and why and I think it's because of this this type of writing and this type of just filming and production is just so smooth and so seamless that I wish I could just get that more from shows and, and movies and I, I think that's why I love it so much because every time I watch a show or something or a movie I'm always like the book would probably be better or there's certain scenes that are missing and I don't feel that from this show at all. I feel like all of the scenes and the direction that's been given so far is just it's just there and it's really just waiting for us to connect the dots and see it and watch it just bloom so nicely in front of us. And I hope you guys like that as well. If you're like big readers and, and writers and 
just movie goers, I feel like you'll, you're probably feeling the same way I have about how everything is going. And I don't know, I hope you got to take in this episode and just be so in awe and inspired by it as much as I have. Now, with all that being said, and me just giving them the praise for how amazing they are and etc., who gave them the right? <laughs> who gave them the right to just take my heart and crush it beneath their shoes? Because I feel like I was just in immense emotional pain this episode for every character that came on screen. I mean, we can start off with Scylla and Anacostia. I did not know how much their friendship or relationship breaking up was going to hurt me. (laughs) And I knew it was going to come. I knew it was going to come, but I was hoping that it wasn't going to be so soon or I was hoping that it was going to be because of outside factors. And when we started to talk about what was going to happen to Tiffany after finding out that her parents had their whole vocal cords snatched from their life, I knew this was going to be the start of divorce proceedings and a battle of custody between the Spree and the army. And we see it. We see it right off the bat because Anacostia, of course, wants Tiffany to become a fosterling and to join the army. And Scylla, of course, believes that the best course of action is for her to go on and move in with the Spree and then just make her own decisions from there. And she has a point. (laughs) She has a point because although Anacostia believes in Fort Salem and and believes that this will be the safest place for witches, she still is in a position where every faith and trust that she's put in this system, she's still questioned. Questioned enough to leave Alder's side and work with someone who is considered an enemy, someone who's considered a terrorist to the organization that's raised her. So to bring Tiffany into that situation is kind of hypocritical, but at the same time, I see where she's coming from because look at this organization, look at the Spree. The Spree has spent its entire life been on the run and in hiding while at the same time doing nothing but causing harm and destruction in the name of their cause. And is that the best place to raise a child? No, it's really not. But it's like they came at a standstill in that decision. And I really feel like Anacostia thought at this moment this was a chance for her to convince Scylla to come on to her side. Although Anacostia may be questioning everything, her loyalty and her love still goes to Fort Salem and still goes to Alder. And I feel like in her heart, she still believes that there's a chance for it to change and to get better and is still a place for a safe haven for other witches. And I feel like in that time frame that Scylla and Anacostia have been working together, Anacostia has had in her mind the type of person that Scylla is because they've had so many similarities with each other, with their parents and they're like parallels to one another. And I feel like Anacostia looks at Scylla and sees what would have happened to her if the fosterlings didn't take her in and she wants something different for Scylla and maybe just different for herself and maybe she feels like if they both came together they could be the cause of that change. But with Scylla admitting to Anacostia that she was happy killing Shane and she was happy killing everyone in the name of her cause just really slapped Anacostia in the face and made her realize that she can't change this person. And you physically could see that on her face, the struggle that she had to go through in understanding that. 
And I know that Scylla herself is going through her own struggles because for so long she's really had to try to see what type of person that she is and who she is and trying to prove that to other people. And we talked about this a little bit last episode about how she has to prove herself to the spree and what type of person she is in that regard. And now it's like because the spree are breaking up in their own little ways, she has to prove herself to Willa and at the same time before that she was creating a version of herself for Rael that may have been the truest version of herself, we don't know. And I think at this point she doesn't have it in herself to give or create a part of herself that's just for Anacostia, if that makes sense. It's like she's separated in so many ways and she has to be looked at differently by so many groups of people and form herself through that that she can't give Anacostia a version of herself that she doesn't feel is true to herself even if she wanted it to be and so that's why she's kind of falling back into the routine of being this quote-unquote bad guy and being the person that she started to be before her and Anacostia got together and it's it's so sad to see because we've seen a snarky and happy version of Scylla that is outside of Rael and so we can believe that there is a different version of her that is better and is happier outside of the spree but maybe she just doesn't have it in her to have to go fall into that and create that version of herself for someone else that isn't her. She's just falling back into it and going back to Willa and where it started. So it's really hard to see, honestly, because I want so much for Scylla this season. I don't know where it's come from. I don't, I don't know where this soft spot for Scylla has come from. And I, I think it's from watching her interact with Anacostia and even just being away from Rael, how much she's grown from it and seeing her really just fall back into the person that we met at the beginning of the season or, or late last season it just hurts it really hurts um and so seeing that breakup between the two of them after she leaves Anacostia at the side of the road to take Tiffany back to the spree it's like what do you do what do you what do you do at this point and can you save her can you save her from herself if she doesn't want to be saved if she wants to continue on the path of the spree and that destruction and ideologies that they carry we don't know we don't know and we may not know until she comes back into contact with Rael or unless she comes back into contact with Anacostia but now that Anacostia is taken off the field to be with Alder I am both happy and sad about it because I liked seeing that different version of Anacostia away from Fort Salem as well. But her being near Alder and being that support system and just person for Alder just really, really softens my heart and just brings a smile to my face because I love their relationship so much. I always think of them as like a mother-daughter relationship and I just remember how hurt Alder was thinking that she had someone else 
going against her and yet it was someone so close to her. So the fact that after everything that Anacostia has seen and, and what she's faced with Scylla, that she at the end of the day can still go back to Alder and still has that love for Alder. It's so cute. It's it's so cute and so heartwarming and I I love seeing it so much. But we know that they're going to make their way back to each other because like we said, their stories are so intertwined with everyone else's that it's just inevitable at this point. And of course, because their common goal is to end the Camarilla. And now that Scylla really has a jumpstart on where they're keeping these children and what their motivations are, it's going to really amp up the speed on how close they are to getting to this this foe that they've been fighting against for so long. But I really want to talk about something real fast, and that is the range of the spree. Because I feel like it's been getting smaller and smaller, and I don't know if that's just me or if it's just this episode specifically. Because looking at Scylla and Willa, they seem to be the only ones with this information on where the Kimberia have been keeping these witch children and where, like, everything that's going down. Why is it just the two of them? Someone explain that to me. Because I thought the organization was a lot bigger when it started. Like, have they been being hunted down by the Kimberia at the same time? But also, I thought the Kimberia were, like, have specific targets, like... Abigail and now apparently like Rayel like I'm confused I'm very confused as to why Scylla and Willa were the only ones at the front lines against the Camarilla so confused and if it's because they're keeping things secret away from the rest of the organization make it make sense it doesn't make sense to me because you would think that they would be all hands on deck but also when you look at every time we go talk to Willa or we go back and, and we see Scylla interact with the spree no one's there no one's there anymore and I wonder if that is because now with the rise of Nicta being the supposed creator of the spree if that division is really just taking away from both sides like it doesn't look like Nicta has a strong following as well but it doesn't look like the spree have and like Willa and and Scylla and everything like that have a strong following so what what is happening here are they dead are they not I, I have questions I have questions and I think it's because for so long the spree have done so much and have caused so much havoc for Alder and the army and for all the humans and muggles etc that I consider them such a huge organization with so much power that to see them be dwindled down to a few groups with Nicta and a few groups with Willa just has me so confused like where was that power where was that strength in numbers that we once saw and Nicta don't even get me started on this woman she's a fraud she's a fraud everyone is talking about or at least Jason specifically was talking about how he wanted to join an organization for the witches to be free for them to be not underneath the thumb of the army, for them not to be under the thumb of Alder and, and 
the accords and everything like that and not even the threat of the Camarilla could stop them. And yet I look at Nikta and I say the only reason that you have all this power and have created this organization of the spree to begin with is for one vendetta and one vendetta only and that is to fight Alder. Like that's so selfish. <laughs> That's so selfish because we have an entire following who just want something better for themselves other than to be underneath the shackles of the government. And yet, lo and behold, the one person that they've been following the entire time isn't really out for like the witch. Like she's not really here for the witches. She's not. She's, she's not. Look at her face. She has one goal and one goal only. And that is to take over Elder and like from whatever grudge she has that happened between her and Alder before she was erased from the history books. It's a solo mission here. And what is she going to do after Alder is gone? What? Her goal has been accomplished. She only needed this organization really because she knows that Alder's untouchable, especially with her biddies. Who is she lying to? Not me. The spree for sure, but not me. I see exactly what she's trying to do. And that's why I think... I was upset with finding out that she was leading the the spree and not the Camarilla because it would make sense if that's why she was leading the Camarilla. Like all my theories that I made for why Nikta would be the leader of the Camarilla make so much more sense than why she would be the leader of the spree. I'm kind of disappointed. I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of a little bit disappointed that she is spree and not Camarilla. And especially because I remember when we found out that Willa was one of the main leaders of the spree, I was disappointed about that too because I considered, at least I wanted, Willa to be just some big bad figure and we didn't get that. And I feel like they're trying to push that onto Nikta. But Nikta used to be so good and like had a cause and a reason. And I, I hope we go into that. I hope we go into like her reasonings for creating the spree. But already, already, Tally and the likes of them are already blaming Alder for the reason of Nikta turning evil and creating the spree. And maybe Alder was the catalyst for everything and ungrateful. The whole, whole bunch. Throw them all away. So ungrateful because once again, everyone just wants to put everything on Alder. Like, oh, that sucks. Like you're telling me, you're telling me you make a few wrong choices and a few bad decisions that you thought you know, you thought was for the greater good at the end of the day. And yet someone decides to go off on their own and create an entire organization that does nothing but kill people. But you know who's the bad guy? Alder. Alder's the bad guy. Why? Because she's the only one in that power and in that situation and had the ability to change things in that time frame where no one else was around and yet she was the reason. I just wish people would just look at the bigger picture before blaming Alder for everything like they weren't there no one was there no one really knows what happened and why things happened the way that they did and yet the first thing that they can do is turn on Alder because she's at the top and it's so hard it has to be so hard for her to be forced into a position to have lived all of these years and faced everything that you've faced and time and time again having to prove yourself to people who were not there, who like, no, stop. <laughs> it's so annoying because you would think that Nikta, who if she really cared about the witches 
and really cared about the growth of her people and being away from the army would also be focusing on the Camarilla. But no, she's only focused on Alder. And we see this as she sacrifices, sacrifices another one of her members. Why? To do like remote work so she can burn Alder's throat at what? I almost screamed. I screamed so hard because how dare she? How dare she? I have no love for Nicta. I have no love for her. Like, at all. So disrespectful. And now, ugh, Anacostia's screams will haunt me. But now, not only is Alder down, but so is the rest of her biddies. So Fort Salem as a whole is kind of not protected. And with that, neither are our girls or the rest of the fractions. And it's like, what do we do? What do we do here? And what is the spree going to do? What is Nicta going to do? Are we going to see a group of spree all come together to finally take over Fort Salem while they are vulnerable? Or will that lead to the destruction of all witches, both spree and Fort Salem? Because now that Fort Salem is vulnerable, it leads them vulnerable to attack from the Camarilla as well as the Spree. And if the Spree are focusing all of their attention on Fort Salem and not on the actual Camarilla who have physical organisms and materials to be able to wipe out all of them, they are vulnerable as well. All because of one woman, Nicta, whose only priority is to get to Alder. Make it makes sense. That is going to be the destruction of Fort Salem and future generations of witches, not people like Abigail deciding not to have children. You know what? Let's get into a little bit of that. Let's get into Abigail's struggle that she faces with her family and these pressures that they put on her to create the new generation of bellwethers. Did Petra say or not say that she was going to put all of her focus on Abigail now and see her for who she was after she almost died for the first time and the second time by the Camarilla. No? Like, did I forget about that completely? Because the last time I checked, Petra really said that she was going to, you know, look at Abigail differently and just be there for her and not put so much pressure on her to be like the leader of the bellwethers. And yet here she is, here she is, gathering the family up all to just auction off her child to the man with the best parts of themselves. Like what in the world? What in the world? And this is what blows my mind. <laughs> This is what blows my mind about this whole situation. My favorite scene in the whole family gathering of the Bellwethers was seeing the men clean up and cook and do all these things while the women get to sit off and, and talk about their future and like how hard it is to be a woman in the world, which is a complete like 360 compared to what it is in normal society where the women are always cooking and cleaning and the men are always with their feet up. And yet, with all that, with all the changes and the strength that women have in the show and the leadership that women have in the show, we are really, at the end of the day, 
having them be nothing more than their uterus. <laughs> nothing more than... It doesn't even matter how much Abigail succeeds. It doesn't even matter what she's faced, the fact that she's almost died. All that matters is what she can give to the next generation of Bellwethers. And it blows my mind. It literally blows my mind because what has changed? What has changed if that is still the case for women at the end of the day? Nothing. You can have as much power as you want, but if your body is not yours and instead it's the armies and it's your families, then what is the point? I get it. I get it. They're all scared of dying. Everyone is human. And at the end of the day, we're all animals and all animals want to do, whether they're our prey or predator, is want to create more of themselves in order to either leave something of themselves behind or to just continue living in some way. And with the bellwethers being targeted for so long, especially now by the Camarilla, it's like they're all in fear. Like their entire family is in fear of them being the last and not being able to continue on this generation of strong, powerful witches with their weather work and etc. But that's not Abigail's fault. <laughs> that's not Abigail's fault. She shouldn't have to hold up her family and be their last hope for the future generations, especially after everything that she's gone through. And the fact that Minerva... Oh, Minerva, she gets my MVP award of family members this episode because Minerva, as an older generation, you would think that she would be right along the same way with Petra in the same wavelength and ideas about what should come next and what is meant for Abigail to do. But I think in losing Charvel has really opened her eyes to the fact that yes, her family is dying. She is dying. She is next to be in the grave closest to all the rest of the members that have gone so far. And she sees how fleeting life is. And I think she's starting to see in all of her, her age, the sacrifices that she's made and how she doesn't want that to be repeated for Abigail, knowing full well what she's done for the family and how she's almost died for this family. So I think her giving this blessing to Abigail to just go about her own life and keep that fire in her eyes and get her vengeance for Charvel and be with who she wants to be, whether it's Adil or Gregario or any of the many members that are vying for her love. That's her decision. It should be her decision and it shouldn't be up to her mother or her family to make that for her. And I, I loved that. I love that. I love that it was an older generation telling Abigail this. Someone who has such power within the family as well because Minerva, of course, surpasses Petra in every way. And so for Minerva to be saying this, 
it carries so much more weight. And I hope that Abigail takes that to heart, even if it does mean having to turn her back on her mother in order to achieve this. And we see that she might do that, especially as she went as far as taking a deal with her to get the blood of Charvel, which is going to be very interesting to know that Adil actually has the ability to track Charvel's vocals, which will lead her automatically to the Camarilla. And I hope we go in depth as well into what Adil can and cannot do. We know he can move particles around possibly to, you know, make him invisible and then we see him use a little bit more works and how he's able to take Charvel's like lifeless body and rise it from the dead and be able to take her blood and now we know that he can track her blood and track her vocals and so I want to go more in depth into what Adil's powers are actually are and like what he's really capable of and what the Tareem as a whole is really capable of because we did question that a little bit to this episode when they were having that meal and the men were asking themselves like what can you offer and I want to know what can Adil offer we know he's powerful but how powerful you know um so I want to see that I want to see how powerful Adil is and I think as we get closer to the Camarilla and I see we continue to fight them that he might show that he might show his strengths and how powerful he is and how he is equal to Abigail in strength and in power. And this is definitely going to need to come in handy now that Rael has been taken by the Camarilla. And seeing as how they've been watching her for so long and tracking her for so long, we don't know why. We don't know if they know about her connection to the wall. We don't know if they know about her connection to the spree. There could be multiple reasons for why they want Rael We don't know if it's something that she has that's just uniquely hers, but it's something. And now that Abigail is tracking the Cambria and Alder is also tracking the Cambria and the rest of the spray is tracking the Cambria, they're all going to be racing against the clock to be able to save her. While sitting here and asking the question that was screamed to us in the promo for next week of what do they want? What do they want from her and why? And I was wondering like while watching the promo if while they were looking into her vocal cords or if they were able to cut and look into her vocal cords if they were trying to get pieces of the wall and and of that power from the mushroom that they don't have because that is unique vocals that no one has seen before so they kind of have to be delicate (laughs) they kind of have to be delicate about it and I'm really hoping that they don't ruin her seed and ruin her work and at the same time ruin her connection between the wall and herself and I'm also questioning where was the wall when she got kidnapped where was the wall because she was in danger she was kidnapped she was knocked out and yet the wall had no protective mechanisms to save her from that I, i don't i don't know how it works i don't know how it works but i'm wondering if the wall will be a reason why she gets free or if all of the groups that we have that are racing towards rail at this time is going to be one of the reasons that she succeeds in escaping the camarilla and what that's going to do going forward. Because if they all come together, that means that Rael has a chance of seeing Willa. 
Rail also has a chance of seeing Scylla again. And so that's going to cause a lot of drama. And then Anacostia seeing Scylla working with Willa, that's going to be a struggle, especially now that she's going to either have to stop Alder from wanting to attack the spree, especially after what's happened to her on that attack. It's a whole thing. It's it's going to be a whole thing. Tally, on the other hand, if she realizes about the spree, that's going to change her opinion on Scylla. It's going to change her opinion on Alder. And so this really changes things for the unit. It changes things for Rael. It changes things when it comes to the army fighting the spree or not. And if they are willing to come together in order to fight the Camarilla, and then if they're willing to come together in order to fight Nicta. Like there's a lot of things that could change just from the next episode or two. And so I don't know. I don't know what could happen. I put out these theories and these thoughts and these and these questions about what could possibly happen, but the show has constantly kept me at the edge of my seat and on my toes every time. And so I think I'm this time I might just wait it out. I might I don't know. I might just see what happens and see how it plays out but what do you guys think what do you guys think is going to happen as we all come together to save Rael is it going to be a chance for the army and the spree to come together is it going to be a chance for the Tareem and everyone to come together now that Adil is working with Abigail is the relationship between Willa and Scylla and Rael going to be tested Will Rael try to be with the spree? Will Nicta use this chance to take out everyone? What is her motives? I don't I wanna know what Nicta's motives is. And I wanna know what your guys' theory on what Nicta's motive is as well. So let me know. But that is generally what I have for you guys this episode. And of course, we're going to go into honorable mentions where I talk about things that I thought were interesting and want to talk about that happened this episode, but don't really fit into everything else. So if you are willing to stick with me through that, let's get into it. Let's get into honorable mentions of Milan Fort Salem season two, episode six. We have met so many new characters this episode, and I think it's finally because we are off the base and having a chance to look into a little bit of Rael's life and look into a little bit of Abigail's life that we're really getting to see so many people and what they have to offer. And I think one character specifically that I was excited to see was Quinn. And I'm really just, I want... Quinn to tell Rael that Willa is alive and we thought that that was going to happen this episode or at least I thought that was going to happen this episode because she did mention that during the night of Samhain no dead can refuse the call and when Rael mentioned that Willa didn't show I feel like she knew that Willa was alive but nobody wants to own up to it no one wants to fully say it because that betrayal would be so huge and so strong but somebody needs to say it can somebody say it or maybe we'll just we'll just see it all come to pass next episode and deal with it then who knows who knows also 
what is this thing about so we were talking about in the after show or after the storm about how when different men come together and procreate that they are able to give a specific portion of themselves to be able to create the best version of Abigail. Now, I thought that when it came to Fort Salem and the multiple marriages and the polyamory of it all, that they were just like married to different men in order to have more children in order to create a bigger generation. But the fact that it's just multiple men coming together to give separate traits and that they're all Abigail's father like at the same time like that's so cool to me imagine having that ability to be able to manufacture your own child and say like I want them to have these kind of smarts I want them to have these kind of strengths I want them to look like this and technically we can do it we can technically manufacture our own child these days with science and everything like that but the fact that we can use this kind of real life situation and turn it into a muslin thing and have it be entwined with powers and and the imperatrix it's it's really interesting to see but at the same time i wonder how abigail feels to be like a manufactured baby or how other like army children feel to be a manufactured child or if that's just something of the norm that they don't really like think about about the fact that they're not unique in a sense because parts of them were chosen and like what if they fail to be the parts that were chosen for themselves you know like you can choose someone's characteristics or physical attributes you can choose someone's physical attributes and when they are born they have a percent chance that that's what they will look like but when it comes to choosing who a person is and their own characteristics You don't know if by that time the child is an adult, if that's the child that you envisioned. You know what I mean? It's all based off of the experiences that they faced and what they go through and the people that come into their lives. And I feel like that's another reason why Abigail feels all that type of stress and just insecurities because she's been told multiple times that she's supposed to have these characteristics from all these people in her life and she's supposed to grow up to be a specific type of child and now she's not meeting those expectations and it's just causing such burden on top of everything that she's already dealing with like I feel like I'm starting to understand Abigail a little bit more and maybe that's why I can understand Petra a little bit more in the rest of the Bellwether family at least the women specifically because for years and for generations they've all been born with key characteristics and ideas of who they were supposed to be but if they don't reach that and if they don't meet that goal at the end of the day or or by the time they reach a certain age they're kind of considered as a failure and you kind of saw that a little bit with the interaction between Minerva and Petra and how she calls her Petty and or Petri and um how Minerva says like I thought you were supposed to be at the top by now and you weren't supposed to answer to no one and here you are judging your own daughter and she hasn't met your expectations either and so like you're both kind of you know it's it's a lot and so I can't although I am angry at Petra and I don't support the way that she's been raising Abigail I kind of 
understand it a little bit more and I can't think of what it would be like to be underneath that kind of stress and that kind of pressure to be a specific person like upon your birth you know that's crazy that's crazy to me finally speaking of children what are the Camarilla planning to do with all of these children that they've kidnapped like are their parents not looking for them or have they willingly given up their children with their purest ideas for one and two if the Camarilla are harvesting children or kidnapping children for their own future motives is it because they want to keep them alive long enough to be able to steal their vocal cords when they are mature enough or are they kidnapping these children to be able to create their own little army of the Camarilla that is brainwashed children and brainwashed witches that they're able to control and then use against other witches in the spree. You know what I mean? Like there could be different reasons for why the Camarilla want these children and it could either be for their vocal cords and using it either now with their machines and their mechanisms that they've created so far or they could be brainwashing these kids to be able to create an army in the future. Who knows? But seeing as how they're operating on Rael next episode, it's not looking good. It's it's not looking good. And why were they willing to stone Tiffany but not the rest of them? You know, I, I have questions. I have so many questions and I hope you guys do as well. Did you like the fact that Nikta is spree? Did that surprise you guys at all? Are you happy about it? Not happy about it? Do you think that she'll end up aligning herself with Alder in the future in order to fight against the Camarilla? Or has that ship sailed completely? What is Tally going to do now that she knows that truth? And if she ever comes face to face with Nikta, what will that mean? Oh my god, will we might have to see Tally switch sides one day? I hope not. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, but that is all I have for you guys today on this episode of Midland Fort Salem. I hope you guys liked it. If you were willing to stick with me for this long, thank you so much. I appreciate you. But if you want to talk to me more about Motherland or about other shows that I've been podcasting, you can always follow me at showtalkpodcast at Twitter, or you can send me an email at showtalkpodcast at gmail.com, or check out my website, showtalk.blog, to see the stuff that I've been podcasting, or if you just want to talk, and I would be happy to see you there and hear about your thoughts, theories, questions, all of that. But like always, keep talking about this show, what you love about it, what you don't love about it. Just keep talking and watching and hopefully we'll get a future season and so many more because I've loved talking to you all and creating these episodes. So keep on talking. I will see you next week.